What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. In today's episode, we are going to look at the five biggest storylines for the first round series between your Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. I want to run through the five things I'm going to be watching, and hopefully uh, you can too. It's not all like narrative stuff, but we'll talk about some narrative things, but also just some things that will help define the series, things to keep an eye on throughout the series. Uh, I think this one is going to go, you know, six, seven games. I think these two teams are pretty even, so the types of sort of storylines to keep an eye on as the series goes on about what what will be important for both teams as, uh, you know, they look to advance into the Western Conference semifinals, or round two, as we call it here in my home. So let's run through these five storylines here. Um, These aren't in any any order. It's not like the first ones are the most important or the least important. I just wrote them down and this is the order I'm going to do them in. So that's the order we're going to do them in. Number one is Carmelo Anthony returning to Denver where it all started and where quite frankly, he's kind of a villain. Um, He's going to get booed there. Actually, like anecdotally, here's here's how I know Carmel Anthony is a big deal in Denver. Uh, I was talking to my mother-in-law today who lived in Denver for uh, close to three decades, a long time. And uh, she said, I said, she asked me what I was doing. And I told her I was uh, needed to record a podcast about the Blazers series against the, the Nuggets. And she said, ooh, going to be talking about Mello. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure she could name like uh, three Blazers, but she knew that Mello had this connection to Denver. Uh, he's, he's part of the fabric. And um, I think it'll be a big story. His return and his, his um, you know, he left on unceremonious terms, kind of demanding a trade uh, off of a good team and, and all that, so leaving a good team to go to what he thought would be a better one and wasn't a good situation. You know, you ever demand a trade out of there, it's going to be it's going to be odd. Um, and he's he's going to play a pivotal role in this series because the Blazers need his offense. Like they um, they're not like super reliant on Melo's offense, but they need him to be good. Like good like if if Melo is bad, the Blazers typically aren't um, don't have really good nights. They can overcome it. But when Melo's good, you know when I've, I've had this stat a lot, and I'll give it to you again. It, when he scores 18 plus, they're 14 and five. Like when Melo has really legitimately good scoring games, they um, they win. And so Melo is going to play a big role, sort of on the court, because the Blazers are going to going to lean on him. And um, just as as like persona non grata in 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 back in Denver, I think um, it'll be interesting to to see sort of how he's greeted back in that state. I mean, I know how he's going to be greeted. He's going to be greeted with booze. But um, he was actually asked about that today at, at uh, media, in his media availability. Um, the question is from. I'm not going to play the question for you. The question is from Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com, and and Mello kind of discusses what it would, what it'll be like to uh, be back in Denver, what it means for him after a place he spent a long time to be back on the other side trying to beat them. So that's what you hear now. Well, the, the fact that I mean, I, I haven't I haven't even thought about it from that perspective, uh, but just the fact that I'm I'm able to you know be back there on the other side though, um, you know, competing playoffs. Uh, you know, knowing the time that I've seven and a half years, eight years that I've spent my first seven and a half, eight years uh, spending it in Denver, knowing, um, you know, just how, how in tune I, I was to the city, to the organization, to the people, to the fans. Um, so, I mean, that, that again, that place will always hold something special to me, regardless of if I'm in that jersey or as an opponent. Uh, but it, it, it's a lot different now. 
it's, it's a lot different because it, it, you know my my mindset is different, my goals are different. Uh, you know, we we going in there trying to win, so it's a, it's a different type of mentality. But deep down inside, I know that 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 place that Denver will always hold a special place in me. I think more than than basketball, like Melo's going to have an impact basketball wise. He's going to play a big minute role. The Blazers are going to need him to score, like I mentioned, all that stuff. But but more than that, like just it's it's the narrative. Like it's just there's this, this is a deep connection between these two franchises. You know, Melo, a, 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 the number three overall pick in the 2003 NBA draft, the guy who was in Turko Milicic and was you know an absolute star for for um, the Nuggets and and lifted them to about as high as they've ever been until this current iteration. And now ten years later, he's back. Um, trying to uh, trying to usher this sort of new generation, the best Nuggets team since he left, at, right on out of here. So um, that's that, that's like a, just a storyline that's undeniable is Melo's return. But he's not the only Blazer making his return. It'll also include Yusef Nurkic, uh, the former first-round pick of the of that there Denver Nuggets. I mean, technically not a first-round pick, but they traded for him draft night in 2014. He was pretty dang good his rookie season in Denver, right? Like, he was a second-team uh, all-rookie performer. Uh, you know, maybe the numbers don't suggest that he was, like, this monster, but he was he was really good. Like, he, was, he looked like a really solid young player. And then, you know, injured in year two, and then by year three, he basically pouted his way right on out of town as he lost his starting role to Nikola Jokic. And the D- Nuggets chose Jokic, and frankly, they made the right decision. And Nurk went somewhere where he could flourish, and it worked out for both parties. Um, but it was an unceremonious exit, and there, and Nurk has always kind of um, played up like he's homies with with Jokic, and I, I think we'll talk about that in a second, a little more in depth. But like. He's he has a little bit of beef, a little is a little acrimonious with uh, with the Nuggets franchise. You'll recall his first game against them when he when a huge huge game that that pushed the Blazers ahead of the Nuggets in the standings, and Nurk got on the mic and wished them a happy summer. Um, he's the man is a classic troll, but he's. Um, you know, so there's there's that connection there, but him and Jokic, like they don't they don't have they there's no bitter rivalry there. They're like legitimate friends. In the in 2019 playoffs, um, when Nurk was just kind of getting back and and walking around after after breaking his leg, uh, you know, Jokic just unprompted after a game was was sitting there in the media room and said, you know, I just want to say, I know no one asked, but I just want to say, like it's really good to see Nurk up and on his feet. I'm rooting for him. And Nurk has has said earlier this week, or maybe. 10 days ago now like that he if Dame doesn't win MVP he's rooting for Jokic like he wants Jokic to win MVP spoiler Dame's not gonna win MVP and Jokic is gonna win it so Nurk's gonna get his wish of sorts but like they're homies um you'd just for like narrative sake you'd wish it was a rivalry but on the court it's not much of one uh but certainly the uh, Nuggets fans have a little bit of beef towards Nurk towards because of the way it, le- it he left and all those things um I don't think it's like super I, it's not nearly as venomous from my perspective as Nuggets fans are towards mellow because of you know he was there for like he mentioned almost eight years until he forced his way out he also forced his way out more dramatically uh he was just a way better basketball player than than nurk was like he's a hall of famer and nurk is um a good nba starter they're just like it's they're just in different spots but more than more than the connection like the connection is an important thing and i think like why i'm bringing it up as a storyline but nurk's chance to be really good in the playoffs is to me, one of the big stories of this of this whole dang thing, right? Like he's 
he hasn't really had a, a long exposure to postseason basketball. You know, he he broke his leg in, in, in 2017 or, or fractured a bone in his leg, had a hairline fracture in his leg in 2017, and he was limited. Uh, and then in, in 2018, he came back and he was, uh, and the Blazers were really good and he was part of them being really good. And then Anthony Davis just absolutely punked him in that sweep. Uh, Nurk averaged 11.8 and 8, but like that doesn't capture how much he struggled. Uh, he was, he shot under 50% from the floor. He just, he just was not good. Um, he just, he just was, he just was really, really outplayed. I mean, Anthony Davis is like a Hall of Fame level player. He'll outplay a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but, but like it was, um, it wasn't like a shining moment for Nurk. And then in the bubble last year, like Nurk was better for sure. Like Nurk was better, but he still was hyper inefficient. Like he averaged 14 and 10 and three and a half assists. Like he was, the numbers look good, but he shot under 44% from the floor. Um, he had, you know, 13 turnovers to eight, 18 assists. Like he just, he was, he was sloppy with the ball against a really high pressured, uh, you know, and long and just like super freaking good Lakers defense. Like I'm not, I'm not saying like Nurk sucked or anything like that. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say, but like Nurk has not been like the best of himself in a playoff series yet. Obviously he's got him against tough matchups. You know, you play Anthony Davis twice, you kind of look you look ungood. <laughs> you, you can you can look like uh, you've met your kryptonite a couple times if you play someone of his caliber. And, and Anthony Davis is just like he's he's exactly what you would want if you're building a playoff defender. But I think more than the connection to Denver and the relationship with with uh, Jokic, it's like the, the storyline I'm watching here is can Nurk be a star in the playoffs? He doesn't need to be the Blazers' second best player, but he needs to be their third best player every single night. Um, his chance to shine and be really good on a big stage against his buddy and against his old team is a is a huge, massive storyline that will likely define the series. Jokic is going to get his, uh, and I think Nurk is a decent. If you were picking the type of player to guard um, Jokic, somebody like Nurk, I think is is your best bet. Uh, on a podcast I posted yesterday, Matt Moore uh, said like maybe like someone a little more springy and longer, but just like just size and strength leaning up against Jokic is is as good an option as you're going to find. Like. Jokic is going to be awesome in this series. He's going to have huge games and huge numbers. But I think if Nurk can be smart and stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court, um, the Blazers, that will define a lot of what the Blazers do. And so the second biggest storyline I'm going to be watching in this series is how does Nurk perform on the biggest stage in of his career with a great opportunity to show off against or show out, I should say against one of his pals and against his former team that let him go and gave him this opportunity. Let's see if he can, he can get back there. All right. In the second segment, let's talk about a couple other storylines that I'll be watching. But before we get there, let's talk about rockauto.com. Look with increasing numbers of makes, Subarus and Kias and Fiats and Fords and all those and models. There's a kajillion of them. It's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You just can't do it. So instead of searching around on places that can be a pointless search and kind of intimidating, quite frankly, and having to ask questions to someone, hey, do you have this for my Honda Odyssey? You don't you don't have to wait for someone at the counter to say, I don't know, check aisle 12. Instead, you can just go to rockauto.com. You can use their 
unique, and remarkably easy to navigate website. And then you'll be able to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. You'll be able to put in Honda Odyssey, you'll be able to put in 2012, and you'll be able to see exactly what they have and at the price point that you want for your car. They got more, they got more parts, they got the right parts, and best of all, they've got the cheaper parts because at rockauto.com the prices are the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers there's no special mechanics price everyone's getting the same deal so go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and while you're there make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com All right, so we talked about the storylines to watch in that first segment, and there were two homecomings, Mello's return to Denver, Nurk's return to Denver, and, and matchup against his, his former team and his former pal, or current pal, rather, uh, Nikola Jokic. But now I want to shift to some other storylines, a couple more things I'll be watching. The first of which is who guards Michael Porter Jr.? The Nuggets are missing some firepower, to put it lightly. They're missing their best, many of their best offensive players. Not the best offensive player. The MVP is still going to be on the court. Um, <laughs> Jokic is really good. It's just who around him can score for the Nuggets is going to be one of the big question marks. And the answer to that question is always going to lead back to Michael Porter Jr., a guy who is capable of having massive, massive scoring nights. There was a stretch for about... Uh, six weeks this year where he was shooting above 50% from three on more than six attempts per game. He was just, just lighting them up. And in the April meeting against the uh, Trailblazers, he started seven for seven, finished eight of 12 from the floor. He didn't shoot super well from three in that game, but he got points inside the arc. He beat the Blazers on backdoor cuts. He had an offensive rebound put back. Um, he got, you know, he got it into his pull-up game a little bit off curls and off handoffs. Like he's, he was a load and he was really hot early in that game. So who guards Michael Porter Jr.? It's, it's not so much like a, it's not a mystery to me. I think it'll be Norman Powell. I think they stick Norman Powell on him. Uh, I rewatched the Blazers game against the Nuggets from, from uh, I've rewatched both, the February game <laughs> in which Gary Trent Jr. and Ennis Cantor played big roles in Derek Jones Jr. But, and the April game, which is more telling, that's after the Blazers made uh, made the trade, or after the Nuggets made the trade for Aaron Gordon. The Blazers had Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Damon Lode coming back in the lineup after they'd missed some time. It's That's the closest we'll get to kind of a preview of this matchup is that April 21st game. And I rewatched that this week. Um, and in that game, Norman Powell started on Michael Porter Jr. and Robert Covington guarded Aaron Gordon. And I have, I believe that's how the Blazers will, um, will go after it much for at least to begin this series. I think that's how they'll approach it. But who guards Michael Porter Jr. is more like, can Norman Powell be effective enough against Michael Porter Jr.? Um, he's 6'10". Norman Powell's 6'3". He's going to be able to shoot over the top. He doesn't have the sort of on-ball creation stuff. Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have a super tight handle, and he's not, he's not super sneaky. But what he is is fast, big, and can really really shoot it a uh, great catch and shoot player um he's he's a good cutter and he's big enough that Jokic can throw over the top to him and so I think Norm guarding Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a huge huge part of this series um if Porter Jr. is like you know last year the Nuggets secret to success was that Jokic was a monster and really really freaking good but 
Jamal Murray was the guy who could they could run two-man stuff with, and he was the go-to get a bucket. Like, he had two 50-point games in the playoffs. That's, that is, that's wild. Um, those are big, big, big nights. I mean, Jamal Murray was an absolute star in Orlando. And it's... I don't think Michael Porter Jr. can be that. Like, I think that would be unfair to assume that he could be that or, or even expect him to be that. But he can be an ace number two. In fact, in the Denver Post today, there's a story by Mike Singer about uh, Michael Porter Jr. accepting and wanting that responsibility, wanting that role. So it's, I, I'm not expecting Norm to shut him down or anything like this, but like having Michael Porter Jr. be a 19 point per game score versus a 27 point per game score might be the difference in this series. The Nuggets don't have a lot of um, secondary offense. They certainly don't have much tertiary offense behind MPJ. So it's, it's the biggest, the biggest thing for me is if Michael Borer Jr. can step into a role and be a 25 plus point per game score, then the Nuggets are probably in business. Like they're good enough that if they have that type of secondary and reliable scoring from a guy like him, then they're, they're probably going to be in really good shape. But if, if Norm can make it hard on him, if they can make him inefficient, like Porter Jr. will fire. And if you're physical against him, he'll take some bad shots. So if you can, if you can kind of get him out of his rhythm, get him out of his comfort zone and make, make him take, I mean, he's (laughs) dude loves to shoot. If you can make him take slightly harder, slightly more difficult shots, um, you can, this is, that will be the key to this series is like not let him develop like a really good rhythm because he's one of the elite shooters in this game like I think I think within a year maybe as early as next season we're going to start talking about Michael Porter Jr. the way people talk about Duncan Robinson as this like really terrifying shooter now he doesn't fly around screens like at the same rate as Robinson but as a standstill shooter and as as someone who as someone who who can be just like a, a menace as a spot up shooter and a catch and shoot guy, Michael Porter Jr. is as, is already as good as they come, and he's only um, I think he's going to continue to get more respect. So I think that like it's I I kind of know who will guard Michael Porter Jr. But if Norm can't, and you have to move Rocco over to him, and then if you if you put Robert Covington on him, it takes away some of Covington's help ability, and then it makes it a question about who who guards Aaron Gordon, um, and and you know against his size and his strength and, and, and the Blazers don't really have a good matchup there, then, then it gets a little tricky. I, I think there's a break the glass scenario where Derek Jones Jr. comes, you know, he, they get, get dust him off and, and put him against MPJ just for the length. And I don't think that's a terrible matchup. I just don't think that's what the Blazers want to do. They don't want, like Terry Stotts doesn't want to play Derek Jones Jr. because of the lack of offense and because of how good Norm can be um, attacking on um, as an offensive player on the other end, you want it to work. And I think that'll be um, a big thing that, that, uh, that helps define the series. The other thing, another thing that I'll be watching is can Aaron Gordon guard Damon CJ? He will not be a primary defender on them. Uh, Falco Campazzo is almost certainly going to start on Damian Lillard. Uh, Austin Rivers is likely to start and almost certainly going to guard uh, CJ McCollum. That, those are the primary matchups. But the Nuggets will switch a little bit. Um, they will blitz pick and rolls and be aggressive and they'll send two to the ball and then bring a help side defender way over. Like you'll see them play a really aggressive style of defense. Um, they're pretty good at it and they have the personnel to do it. And with Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon on the backside, they have length and speed to kind of, um, you know, if splitting the difference to use a Nikias Duncan, shout out to Nikias Duncan uh, term, like on the backside, like if you have to guard two, they, they're big enough and fast enough to do it. They're not, you know, Michael Porter Jr. isn't great at it, but he's come a long, long way from um, sort of the defensive liability that he was a season ago. So why I ask about Aaron Gordon is because if 
Falco Campazzo is a really competitive defender, but he's always going to be five foot nine. And at some point, Damian Lord is just going to shoot over, blow past, and be be too too good to be guarded by one five foot nine guy. In the Blazers meeting in April, um, with the Nuggets uh, in the fourth quarter, they put PJ Dozier on Dame, and I think that length and that strength of Dozier really bothered Dame more than Falco did. Um, he PJ Dozier maybe will return the series. He has an adductor strain, which is like a groin strain. He's, he's, um, it's unclear if he'll be available. He certainly won't be available early. So if he comes back, he'll be later in the series. Other than that, it's like other options are uh, Shaquille Harrison or, or Austin Rivers. And if you move Austin Rivers over on Dame, that's when Aaron Gordon comes in. Gordon is probably their best perimeter defender, but he's better as a, he's maybe better against big physical wings than he is against super fast guards. And that's what Dame and CJ are. So I think, um, my, my question, my storyline to watch is if the Blazers, are, if the games get close and if, 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 if they're pressed into it, can Aaron Gordon, who, who kind of profiles as the best defensive player on the Nuggets, can he, can he be that? Can he go and guard the Blazers' two star guards? CJ McCollum has done well against the Nuggets. Gary Harris, Torrey Craig... Those gentlemen are gone, um, and those were the keys to guarding Damon CJ in, in uh, seasons past and series past. So, to me, um, one of the things I'll be watching is: Does Aaron Gordon come over and, in crunch time moments or in singular sort of switch moments, can he guard those two star guards and hold his own? Can he be an elite defensive force? I think that's a that's a big storyline for me because the Blazers, if if he can't, and if Falku can't, and if Austin Rivers can't, then your you ha- you're sending two to the ball and the help side is even having to come over even more and the help is even more aggressive and more important against Damon CJ. And as, as it keeps getting pulled over and keeps being more alert, then weak side stuff's open. That's Anthony Simons. That's Norman Powell. That's that's uh, Carmelo Anthony. That's Robert Covington, who has kind of a slow release. And if you give him time to get it off, he's been really good this year, a career-high three-point shooter this season. It's all, it all kind of plays off each other. If, 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 you know, if one, if one part of the dam starts to leak, then you got to plug that hole and then this hole and then that hole. And then eventually, you know, it's the, the flood, the flood is coming. So the thing I'll be watching is when the games get close, and I think the first two, three, four games are going to be close because I think these teams are pretty even, is Aaron Gordon, the Nuggets, maybe defensive ace, you know, one of their really good defensive players, can he guard the Blazers' best players when it matters? I think that's, that is a storyline that I will be absolutely watching. All right, my final storyline, the last thing I'm going to be watching this series, that's what we'll, I'll talk about in the third and final segment. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA playoffs are here, and BetOnline's got odds on every series, every game, the results of you know the of all the rounds you can parlay them together and make a whole bunch of money you can bet on futures bets on who wins the west who wins the east who wins the championship all those things are available to you on bet online if you're excited about the nba playoffs and think you know um think you can make a little money knowing who's going to win down the line this is a great time to get in on the action but you don't have to bet on M- on the nba there's also baseball and hockey hockey's also in its postseason if you're a futures and all those things available for hockey too ufc mma horse racing um you name it, they got it. So before the puck drops, before the next pitch, before the ball tips off, whatever uh, metaphor you'd like to use, go over to that website, betonline.ag, visit it. And then when you're making your deposit, be sure to put in 
that promo code locked on, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit that you make. The website is betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on. And with that, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Do you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Yeah, you knew that because you've listened to the show before and you've heard me tell you that. But you know they got some limited time flavors too? Well, you probably know that too because you listen to the show and you've heard me say that. But right now, it's cookies and cream. One of the one of the one my personal favorites. And if it's only here for a short time, you better make sure you're getting over to that website and putting your orders in before it's gone because that's a delicious flavor that won't stick around. The nine others though, they're going to stick around. And if you're interested in trying any of those, you can either just... Order a box of whatever your favorite flavor is. If you're me, peanut butter brownie is one that I'm always I'm always looking to um, score a box of, making sure I have a box in my desk drawer. But if you want to maybe mix and match a little bit, you can pick three of any flavor, uh, do a mix box where you get, say, three coconut, three raspberry, and three salted caramel. Or you can do a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors available, find out which ones you like, and then you can order more from there. Built Bars are delicious, but they're also nutritious. All of them are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-in-fiber. Good and good for you. Go get yourself some. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the storylines I'll be watching. Mello's return. Nurk's return. How do the Blazers guard Michael Porter Jr. and how well and can the Nuggets' top defensive player guard the Blazers' star players when it matters? But now I want to talk about the final thing I'm going to be watching and really for me, the thing that always defines this series. Um, Someone from the Blazers' front office once gave gave me a note that said the Blazers have never um, won a playoff series in which a player on their team didn't have the highest PER in the series. Basically, what all that means is the if the best player isn't on your roster, you're going to lose. This is how the NBA works. It's a talent league. I say it all the time. Players play. Uh, coaches have an impact. There's luck involved, refereeing, all that stuff. But who defines the games are the stars. It's a talent league. And I think the, the final thing I'm going to be watching is can Damian Lillard outplay the MVP? Nikola Jokic hasn't won the MVP yet, but he's going to. Um, we, we can pretend like there's a debate, but there's not. I think Jokic is going to win the MVP pretty easily. I think he deserves to. I think he's been the best player in the NBA this season in terms of impact and value. The Nuggets have been beat up, and, and Jokic has been fantastic. They finished third in a very crowded Western Conference, thanks in part to the Clippers being cowards. Shout out to Ty Lue, who was very mad when people made fun of the Clippers for losing games intentionally. You lose games, you might get made fun of, Ty. Sorry, dog. But Jokic is, Jokic is really freaking good. I've even said on this podcast, in this space, that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the series, and I believe that. But I think what, in a lot of ways what will define this series is not X-factors and role players and all the little stuff you point to. Um, you know, Troy Daniels and Bino Udri did not beat uh, the Blazers in series pass. Dwight Howard, James Harden, Marcus Gasol beat the Blazers in series pass. Uh, you know, it wasn't... 
<laughs> it's it's always those guys make a difference and they swing the scales, but they're able to swing the scales. Like Anthony Simons will be able to tip the scales in the game. That tip, not swing. Tip the scales in a game because Dame is so good, right? So to me, the final thing I'm going to be watching is can Dame outplay Jokic, be more productive than Jokic, and in the minutes when the stars sit, uh, you can expect, you can pencil them in both for about 40 minutes a night. Um, Jokic has always been a heavy minute guy in the playoffs, um, and now he's in really, really good shape. So like he could conceivably play 40 plus minutes a night. Dame's going to play a ton. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if there's a game in this series when he plays all 48. Uh, so, but to me, in the in the brief periods when those guys are out, in the six minutes they sit in the first half, or five minutes they sit in the first half, if they're going to play 43 plus, um, or, you know, as many as 12 if they sit in both halves, what do the other, what do the teams do in those minutes? The Dameless minutes and the non-Jokic minutes, what, those, those may define the series. Because in, um, in the Blazers game in April, the, uh, the Nuggets were outscored by four points in the 13 minutes that Jokic sat. It was a one-point game. The Blazers won those minutes with Jokic rested, and then he, when he was on the court for his 35-plus minutes, the Nuggets outscored the Blazers by five, and they won a close game. That, To me, that's how it's going to be. It's not like plus-minus. I'm not going to be tracking plus-minus or whatever. It's just, it's it's which star can be better because a lot of times series are defined by stars. Most times, in fact, this series are defined by stars. Like, this is... And I don't think this will be any different. Um, I don't think Dame has to be like way freaking better than Jokic to win because I think the Blazers have, you know, while they might not have the best player in the series, they probably have the next two in Dame and CJ. And um, depending on how you feel about Michael Porter Jr., they might have the third best with or the fourth best with Nurk. Um, I think after that, it's pretty clearly Michael Porter Jr. But, um, you know, it's it's I, I think it gets pretty flat from then on. And then after Jr. and Aaron Gordon, I think the Blazers have, um, you know, a uh, a lot of guys that are better than the, the Nuggets depth. Uh, if the Nuggets get more healthy as, you know, Monty Morris gets more healthy with his hamstring injury and if, if uh, Will Barton is able to return, then the then we can talk sort of about like how these teams maybe have about equal talent, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the Nuggets are super beat up. They're really reliant on their best player to be really good. And what I'm going to be watching is can Dame be just as good, if not a, a hair better? Uh, this series is going to be close. And if Dame is a hair better than Jokic, then then we're really talking about something. Then like, then we're talking about a Blazers win, right? Because I, I I respect the sort of playoff narratives of role players and all those things. Like I, I name-dropped Bino Udri because I know that Bino Udri kicked the Blazers' ass in 2014, or 2015 rather. I, I saw it. Uh, it That will matter. <laughs> the Troy Daniels of the world matter. That stuff, it's all, all impactful. You know, the Blazers swung the series because Rodney Hood was so good and Evan Turner had an awesome game six and game seven in 2019 against the Nuggets. Those guys matter, but they were able to matter because Damian Lord averaged near 30 a game and CJ McCollum was fantastic. Like the stars put you in position to have the role players make an impact. And for me, the final storyline I'm going to be watching is who's better? Who's better? When, when it comes to when it's when it's time to win and it's time to um you know beat a team that you're relatively equal which star which franchise anchor is is more effective when it counts jokic has been better this season and damian lillard in uh in the postseason has has kind of a lot of built up lore although jokic's postseason numbers are pretty dang impressive so who wins that may very well de- decide the series. In my mind, in my estimation, it almost always does. 
So that's what I'm going to be watching in this series. It's going to, I am excited. I'm ready for this to, to happen. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been churning out podcasts, thinking about this series. I've been rewatching the games. I've been listening to Nuggets podcasts. Check out Locked on Nuggets, by the way. They've been really, really good this week, um, getting you ready for the game and, and getting you ready from another perspective. I hi- strong recommend to uh, Adam Mares and uh, Matt Moore on the Locked on Nuggets podcast. They've been really good. I mean, they've been awesome. So make sure you're checking them out. But like, I've been I've been just consuming so much Blazers and Nuggets content. Like I've been I've been I'm I am uh, fully immersed and I'm ready for the games to happen. But we still got a couple days, so uh, we'll have more to talk about tomorrow. Uh, make sure you're checking back for Friday's show and make sure you're telling a friend about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. This is the best time of year in in, in basketball, so it's the best time of year to to uh, hop on a a daily basketball podcast about your favorite team, the old pinwheels. Uh, and if there's some nuggets crossover listeners, welcome. I guess the equivalent would be old pickaxes or something like that. In any case, I appreciate you listening and I'll talk to you soon.